Take your Bible, and I want to talk to you a little bit about the principle of grace. Grace as a principle. Uh, there's a, a basic understanding that once you see it and understand it, it will help you in your Christian life. We all need help in our Christian life. How to live. How then shall we live? So turn quickly into the book of Romans in chapter 11. As you know, when you talk about grace, we want to talk about grace in two areas. One, grace for salvation, and two, grace for service. In the book of Romans in chapter 11, you'll notice there is one verse that I, I love to use. It's very simple, very clear, and it's just simply stating a fact that grace and works are not the same. And that's the main thing of this verse. It is not the same. So in verse 6 he says, And if by grace, then it is no more of works. Showing you that grace and works are not the same. Otherwise, grace is no more grace. But if it be of works, then it is no more grace. Otherwise, work is no more work. It's either by grace or it's by works. It can't be both. They are different. So we know that when we understand the gospel and the Bible talks about you're saved by grace. Whenever you're discerning whether or not a preacher, whether on radio or TV or if you go to their church, always try to decide, is he a grace man, grace and works, or is he all works? You see, the damage is done when you take a little bit of grace and a little bit of works and you muddy them up together. It's usually pretty clear whenever it's just grace and it's just all works, but when you try to put them together, it really muddies up the water. It confuses people. So that's why it's an important thing to know and to understand. Now, take your Bible and turn to Ephesians in chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2, that you know very, very well, and are two of my favorite verses in the Bible. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 and 9, this tells you the means of salvation. So we know that grace and works are not the same, so then when it comes to salvation, he says which one it is. And we ought to let God tell us which one it is. Is it by grace or is it by works? So he says in verse 8, For by grace are ye saved through faith. By grace are you saved. So if you're saved by grace, you cannot be saved by works. Isn't that clear? You're either saved by grace or works, can't be both, one way or the other. So for by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. So that means it's not of you, it's not what you produce, it's not of works, lest any man should boast. See, if it was by works, then a man can boast. But if it's by grace, we can only brag on the Lord. If it is by grace, he gets all the credit. If it is by works, we get the credit. So salvation is either a gift or it's a reward. It's a gift, and you simply receive it. If it's by works, then you deserve it, and you earned it, and therefore salvation would be a reward. So God's Word makes it very simple and very clear. Now look there in Galatians in chapter 2. Galatians chapter 2. 
See, if you get it wrong on the gospel, you'll get it wrong on service. So in the book of Galatians in chapter 2, look in verse 21. And verse 21 says, For I do not frustrate the grace of God. It means I do not set the grace of God aside like I don't need it. Because salvation comes to us through grace. There's water in the reservoir, but it comes into my house by the pipes. Do away with the pipes, I don't get the water. Salvation comes to us through grace. Do away with grace, you don't get salvation. Simple and clear it is. So he says, I do not set aside the grace of God. For if righteousness comes by the law, then Christ is dead in vain. He died for no reason. If a man can save himself by his works, Christ did not have to die. So because Christ did die for all the sins of all the world, it meant that not one person in the world could ever save themselves. Doesn't that make sense? So we know that salvation is the gift of God by the grace of God. It's given to us not because we earned it or deserved it in any way. Now, turn in your Bible to the book of Romans and chapter 6. Now, when we talk about serving the Lord, there's also something God says about the principle of grace. You were saved by grace. And because you were saved by grace, God says you are now under grace and not under the law. Remember, the law was designed to control the flesh, the first birth. It was never given to control the second birth. So the law is for the natural man. It's never for the spiritual man. It's never for that godly man. The law was designed for the first birth, the flesh birth, the physical birth, to constrain or restrain us. It was never given for the natural man to try to be saved it declared unto us the righteousness of God and the weakness of man in the flesh. So therefore, Christ is the end of the law for righteousness. Now here in Romans in chapter 6, it says in verse 14, For sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under the law but under grace. There's two principles here. One is when you're in the flesh, made under the law, you were to keep the law to just stay physically alive, but the law was never given to save a man. It lets us know that we're sinners, for by the law is the knowledge of sin. That's how we all know we have all sinned, because God tells you what sin is. God tells you what righteousness is, and we don't use our own determination, we let God's word speak. And so, therefore, God tells us what is right, and God says what is wrong. And every man has sinned and comes short of the glory or the perfection of God. So now he says, you're under grace. But what is under grace? Grace is the same as the word Christ. And Christ is talking about 
the power by which you live your life. So as a Christian, in chapter 8, it tells you about the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit is the power of God that God gave to you. You didn't earn it. You didn't work for it. You don't deserve it. God gave you the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the power that you need to live the Christian life. And that is grace. So you are to live by grace or in obedience to the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit that lives within you is to teach you the Word of God. And He only teaches the new man. As we've used the illustration before. The flesh, first birth. Under the law. Condemned. When you trusted Christ as your Savior, new birth. Born of God. Under grace. Born by grace. It lives by grace. And to live by grace means the desire and the power to do the will of God because of the Holy Spirit that lives within you. So God does not want you and I as a child of God to seek to live for the Lord in the flesh. Anytime you put the flesh and make it alive by resurrecting it from the dead, which God says it was crucified, you're placing yourself back under the law and condemnation. And it will not satisfy. It doesn't satisfy God. It's not going to satisfy you. And you'll begin to hate the Christian life because it becomes a boredom to you. Because it's a by works righteousness as far as the Christian goes. So there's grace in salvation and also in the Christian life. And what I want to show you. So take your Bible and turn to the book of Galatians in chapter 3. Turn to your right to the book of Galatians in chapter 3. The book of Galatians deals with this subject very, very well. In Galatians in chapter 3, look there in verse 1. You notice we read that verse right before this, before. That if the righteousness of man could be attained... Christ would not have had to die. So therefore, we're encouraged not to set the grace of God aside. Because it won't save you if you try to earn your way to heaven without being saved by grace. And after you trust Christ as your Savior, you and I as a child of God are not to set aside the grace of God. The very power that you need, you set it aside. And then you try to serve the Lord in your own energy, your own mind, your own will, you know, and you'll make decisions because there's a verse in the Bible that says it seems that there is a way that seemeth right unto a man. But that's only in, as long as you're lost, right? Do you believe that it's possible for a person after he's saved that things still seems to be right in his eyes and he still judges according to what he thinks instead of what God says? So there's that possibility. So now he says in verse 1, he's talking to believers, talking to those that know Christ as Savior. He says, O foolish Galatians. He's calling these Galatians fools. Can you believe that? The great Apostle Paul said something like that to the people at Galatia. O foolish Galatians. Who hath bewitched you that ye should not obey the truth? Now, hold your place right there and look in chapter 5, where he makes a statement there in verse 7. Ye did run well. 
In other words, you trusted Christ as your Savior. You did run, and you ran well. You started serving the Lord, and you did a good job. Who did hinder you that you should not obey the truth? When you stop believing the truth, you will not run, and you will not run well. So if you're living the Christian life, and you're not running well, it might mean that you're trying to get a blend. But here you are, and you're going to serve the Lord your way. You see anything wrong with that? I'm going to serve God my way. If you don't serve God His way, you don't serve God. You don't serve God your way. It's God's way. So we find out what does God want me to do. So whenever you're not really open to what the Word of God says, you're going to find yourself in the flesh. And in the flesh is why you're going to be, and you'll find yourself being a little resentful to the Lord and rebellious to the Lord. Is it possible that God's children may not run well as they ought to? But here in the book of Galatians, it's talking about us living by grace and not allowing ourselves to be put back underneath the law because it's so easy for us to be put back under the law. Doing it because, well, I have to do it. And there's no love there. See, when you love the Lord, it makes service so easy. Love is powerful. It gives you the power to do what you should do when you love the Lord. Loving the Lord is the key to enjoying coming to church or studying the Bible, witnessing. Love for the Lord gives power the ability that you need to do all the things you're supposed to do. So God has ways of revealing to us whether or not do you really love the Lord? Are you bored in serving the Lord? Just check. You may find out there might be something wrong. But look what he says there in Galatians in chapter 3. O foolish Galatians, who hath bewitched you that you should not obey the truth, before whose eyes Jesus Christ hath been evidently set forth, crucified among you. This only would I learn of you. Received ye the Spirit. Received is past tense. These are talking to believers. But these Galatians were not living the way they should because they had listened to what somebody else had said that you have to keep the law. And so he says in verse 2, Receive ye the Spirit by the works of the law or simply by the hearing of faith. You got the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the power of God living inside of you. And he will give to you what you need and teach you what you need to know. And you'll do what you do because, remember, when Christ was here, he says, I do nothing except by the power of the Holy Spirit. He yielded himself to the Holy Spirit. And they accused him of doing it by the power of Beelzebub. Remember Matthew chapter 12. But he says, no, I did it by the power of the Holy Spirit. So they were attributing what he did and why he did it to the wrong source. All of us need a source. Why do I do what I do? So he says here, 
in verse 3, Are you so foolish, having begun in the Spirit? You were born by the Spirit of God. Now as a child of God, how do you think God wants you to live? You see, the law is all the things you're not supposed to do. So some people think that living the Christian life is all those things they're not supposed to do. Well, I don't drink and I don't smoke and I don't chew and go with the girls who do. And I don't go here and I don't go there. And so their whole life is a life of being negative. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't. And I don't commit adultery and I don't lie and I don't, you know, covet and I don't. And they're trying to live by the law. All the things you're not supposed to do. That's the law that says what the flesh is not supposed to do. But remember, the flesh is already crucified, so forget about that. The Christian life is not what you're not supposed to do. It's wrapped up in what you are supposed to do. It's a life of being positive. If you do what God wants you to do, you won't have time to do the things you're not supposed to do. I keep, I'm 70 years old, but I keep myself so busy, I don't have time to change my mind. I keep doing what I'm supposed to do, and I haven't got time to get in trouble. It'll help you tremendously. But you see, idleness is, what is idleness? The devil's workshop. We never see even with Israel, their problems was not when they were on the march. It was when they stopped and pitched camp. When they weren't doing nothing. When they weren't going anywhere. And so, you and I are supposed to be found busy doing the things that God wants us to do. Now, here in the book of Galatians, he says, you have, see there in verse 5, He therefore that minister to you the Spirit and work of miracles and so forth among you. Uh, doeth he it by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? So God wants you to hear what the Word of God says. Let the Holy Spirit lead and guide you. That's why you'll find in Galatians in chapter 5 and verse 16, uh, walk in the Spirit. Now, you don't see too much here about, uh, you know, live by grace, live by grace, live by grace. It's all about the Holy Spirit. Because, you see, living by grace is the power of the Holy Spirit dominating your life. You do what you say and, and, and do because of the Spirit of God. Because, and that's why I'll, I'll show you this in just a moment. We'll get to it. But turn over there in chapter 5 of the book of Galatians. And look in verse 1. So we're talking to the believers. Not talking about lost people. We're talking to the believers. And verse 1 says, Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ hath made us free. You have been made free from the law of sin and death because you've been given a new birth. And uh, the law itself, the law, you've been set free from the law. You see, the law condemns the flesh. And that's why since all have sinned, all were condemned. So Christ made of a woman made under the law, that's in the book of Galatians chapter 4, to redeem us from the curse of the law so that you can't be condemned again. So the you and I... We don't have to try to live by the law. There's another word. It says all the law is fulfilled in one word. Anybody have a clue what that one word is? Love. Love, according to Romans, is the fulfillment of the law. If you love, well, then you don't try to murder people. And if you love, you don't try to steal from people. And if you love, you don't try to covet what other people have. If you love. So the love is the key of fulfilling the law. 
so that the righteousness of the law is fulfilled in us, but not by us. And that's in the book of Romans in chapter 8. So whenever you are born again and God gives you the Holy Spirit, that is the grace of God to do what God wants to have done in your life. Now I'll show you that in just a second. Go back here to verse 1. Christ has made us free. Be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. That means God does not want you to serve him in the flesh, in the energy of the flesh, after the flesh. God wants you to think differently. You see, you're going to be battling back and forth between the spirit of God and the spirit of the flesh. And they're enemies against each other. And so the Christian has to weigh these things in his mind and learn to discern his thoughts. That's why in the book of Corinthians, it talks about bringing every thought into the captivity of Christ so that he captures your mind. Now, sometimes we hold back from the Lord and we don't yield certain areas of our lives to the Lord. But God wants us to yield our bodies, this body, to the Lord for his honor and for his glory. So that whatever I say or do should bring honor to the Lord. Uh, wives are supposed to honor their husbands. We are supposed to honor our head, which is the Lord. So we are to honor that which is over us and bring honor and glory to him so that he is pleased with what we say and what we do. So there has to be something more than just trying to obey a bunch of rules and regulations. You can come to church out of duty but never to enjoy the Word of God or to learn from the Word of God and never to mature or to use what you learn. So you will not mature and grow. That's why he says, are you now made perfect by the law? As he says there in the book of Galatians in chapter 3, are you now made perfect by that? No. It couldn't make you perfect to get saved, and it's not going to give you that perfect life. There's got to be something better. So what God did is he said, I saved you by grace. Now, I did that because I love you. I loved you. you. Not because of what you did, it's because I love you. Now, that love that I had for you, I want you to live for me because I loved you. And we love him because he first loved us. So if you love the Lord, serving God is not going to be a problem. Your problem is if you try to do it and you don't love him. Then life becomes misery. Even the Christian life. And you're not going to enjoy anything. And you'll become critical and bitter and pick apart. So you have got to decide, do I love the Lord? There is where it's at. Now... Here in Galatians, it makes a statement here in verse 2 and 3. If you're talking about salvation, salvation, then if you're trying to save yourself by being circumcised, then Christ profits you nothing. Trying to keep the law to save yourself, it profits you nothing. But as a Christian, is it possible for a Christian to not maintain his liberty wherewith he hath been set free from the law, and become enslaved again to the law. How do you become enslaved to the law and lose your freedom? When you walk in the flesh. 
You see, the flesh is under the law, the condemnation of the law. It's like going back into a prison. The Lord said, I've set you free. And you want to serve the Lord and go right back into this prison, this hell hole, this cursed place that he brought you out of. You see, that's the flesh, this old sinful nature that we have. And so he says, you'll, you'll lose your freedom. And whenever you live in the flesh, he says, then you have fallen from the grace principle, the principle of living for the Lord because you love Him. And you're setting that aside and choosing to live another way. Majority of Christians never figure this out. And they can live their whole lives and not really understand it. Nobody makes me serve God. Nobody has to try to convince me to serve the Lord. For 50 years... Nobody has tried to challenge and motivate me to serve the Lord. I've done it because I wanted to. There's something on the inside of me that says, look what he did for me. And I made up my mind, I'm going to serve the Lord. And it doesn't matter what anybody else says or does. No matter what anybody else thinks. He should be more real to you than the clothes that you have on your back. And nobody can make him real to you. You can, yes, accept that free gift of eternal life and go to heaven when you die and never darken the doors of a church, never change your life, never do anything, and you're still saved by the grace of God. But now notice, he says, you did run well, but who hindered you? So verse 16 says, this I say then, walk in the spirit and you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. You see, you have been set free from the lust of the flesh by the new birth. But the flesh desires are always there trying to pull you back into that jail cell. And you've been made free. Why do you want to go back to the flesh? How do you know when you've wandered back into that jail cell without even knowing it? Look there in verse 19 and 20 and 21. This is the results of it. So when you walk in the flesh after the lust of the flesh... And this is permeating your life or your mind. You know where you're living. You don't like none of those things? Then walk in the Spirit. You see, the answer is not trying to fight the flesh. It's just live for the Lord. And the Holy Spirit says, if you will walk in the Spirit, you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. There's a greater power there. But if you walk in the flesh, you will not have the fruit of the Spirit. You see, when it says, this I say then, walk in the Spirit, that means live by grace. His power. His desire. Let Him direct your life. Let Him teach you. There is a way that seemeth right unto a man, but the ends thereof are destruction. It will destroy your life. So he makes a statement down in verse 22. These are the products of grace. That if you let the Holy Spirit control your life, this is what you will have and this is what you will like. See, walking in the Spirit or living by grace, don't you love what you see there in verse 22 and 23? Love and joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, and temperance. Or if you walk in 
the flesh under the law. This is what you're going to bring forth in verse 18 and 19. Is that what you want? Evidently, that's not what you want. It's not what I want. But that's what we're supposed to do is to serve the Lord because God has given to us the power that we need. Now, I want you to look in this verse. Look in the book of Ephesians, the book of Ephesians chapter 4. And look there in verse 7. Verse 7 says, but unto every one of us, that's to those that believe, that trusted Christ as Savior, is given grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ. You see, you have the Holy Spirit living within you to do the work that you're supposed to do. And when he talks about here, giving grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ, now jump all the way down to verse 12. For the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry. You see, the Holy Spirit that lives within you is going to give to you the desire and the power to do the work God has called you to do. Now, all those other things are in between on how it happens. That God may use other people to help you and to teach you, to guide you, to rebuke you, or whatever it is. Unto every one of us. So every one of us have the indwelling Holy Spirit. And so we have what we need. Now, I want to show you something else. Take your Bible and look there in 1 Corinthians in chapter 15. 1 Corinthians and chapter 15. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, I want you to look there in verse 9. The Apostle Paul, in writing to the church at Corinth, he says, For I am the least of the apostles, that am not meet or fit to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. I was a bad boy. I did a lot of things I shouldn't have done. But in verse 10, he said, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. Now, I believe there's more here than just I am saved. I think he's talking beyond his salvation. I am now what I am as an apostle. Because when you read over there in Timothy, he says, God putting me into the ministry because I was faithful. And because I was faithful, God put me into the ministry, and therefore I am an example of what God can do with somebody that will serve the Lord. So he says, by the grace of God, I am what I am, and his grace, get this, which was bestowed upon me, the privilege that you and I have to live this side of eternity, this side of the grave, to be able to serve the Lord. And for God to give to you and I the Holy Spirit, to teach us how to do the work of the ministry for His honor and for His glory, that's grace. We didn't earn that. We didn't deserve that. But the opportunity was all free. But when you begin to apply that and to learn, to listen, to grow, mature, you'll be surprised at the doors of opportunity that God will open up for you. I'll just say this very briefly. Not because you're trying to honor anybody in particular, but uh, I believe James, is, his faithfulness has opened up opportunities for him. I believe Peter, because of his faithfulness, opened up opportunities for them. Because they're faithful. People that will be faithful, God will open up doors. There'll be so much more that you can do than if you didn't. 
God does not want to give you all these opportunities to live for Him. Because you see, when you accepted His death as your death, that's when you died. God could have just taken us all to heaven the very moment, the day we trusted the Lord. But He left us here and gave us time to live. That's grace. What did we do to deserve the right to live? And Paul says here, this grace was not bestowed upon me in vain. But I labored more abundantly than they all. You see, grace is not just somebody who sits around and says, I'm just going to let the Lord do it all. And they never do anything. Grace, love, makes the man work. Because of what he did for me, I want to do more for him. So therefore, God gives us opportunities, and whatever time God's given to you, to use it for His honor and for His glory. And so He says, But by the grace of God I am what I am, and His grace which was bestowed upon me was not in vain. But I labored more abundantly than they all. Not because Paul is saying, I'm under the law. No, he wasn't under the law. He was under the law of Christ. The law of Christ is the law of love. You see, like if a man loves his wife, it demands so much. But when you don't love your wife or you don't love your husband or you don't love your kids, it makes a difference in how you treat them. Do you love your husband? Do you love your wife? Do you love your kids? Do you love your church? Do you love the preacher? It makes a difference in what you say and do. Love is a powerful motivating force in your life. So, God hath blessed us, given us so much. Take your Bible and turn to the book of Hebrews in chapter 12. The book of Hebrews in chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12 is a chapter on discipline, the correction. When you choose not to serve the Lord, when you don't do what God wants you to do, can you just get away with it? No, there's a price to pay for disobedience. Now, God can't cast you out, can't lose you, can't send you to hell, but He can, as a loving Father, chasten, discipline. And He says, faint not when thou art rebuked of the Lord. Sometimes that rebuke may come from a lot of different sources, a lot of different ways. But you may be rebuked. But here in the book of Hebrews in chapter 12, He says in verse 11, now, no chastening for the present seemeth to be joyous. I've never enjoyed a whooping in my life. And you're not going to enjoy that from the Lord. But afterwards, it yieldeth forth that peaceable fruit of righteousness. In other words, God uses chastening and discipline in our life to produce the right results. And that's why he says there in verse 12, Wherefore, lift up the hands which hang down, and the feeble knees. Make straight paths for your feet, lest that which is lame be turned out of the way, but let it rather be healed. Follow peace with all men, and holiness without which no man shall see the Lord. Look in verse 15. Looking diligently, lest any man, and you ought to underline those words, fail of the grace of God. You see, in the book of Galatians in chapter 5, it says, Ye are fallen from grace. In other words, you have rejected grace as a principle of living the Christian life on how to live. 
You chose to live in the flesh after the desires of the old man that was under the law. So when you place yourself back under the law, you're placing yourself back under the flesh. He said, or you can walk in the Spirit and do what you do because you love the Lord. Haven't you found out that even with teenagers, you can strap them down with every rule and regulation you can think of. And what does it make them do? Rebel. Have you found that out? And so whenever you try to place people under the law and lay down all the rules and regulations that you can, it causes more people to rebel against the very thing. It's a difficult thing. It's hard to learn. Sometimes we as parents wish we could do it over again. We think we could do maybe a little bit better job. And then maybe not. But now notice something else here. In verse 15, looking diligently at lest any man fail of the grace of God. And if you fail to let the Holy Spirit control your life, look at the result. Lest, lest, get this, any root of bitterness springing up trouble you, and thereby many be defiled. Is it possible that a Christian may not live like that holy saint as they ought to, and can become mean and bitter and unkind. Now let me give you one last verse in closing. Look there in Hebrews chapter 4. Hebrews and chapter 4. Because God's Word tells us the Word of God is sharper than any two-edged sword. He tells us this in verse 16. Verse 16 of Hebrews chapter 4. Let us, that's a reference to believers, Believers, therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace. The throne of grace is a throne of help. It's where you go to get the power that you need. It means that when you go to the throne of grace, you're always examining yourself to see why wouldn't God help you here or there or here or there. Because you examine, see, is there anything in my life that's keeping God's power from giving me the strength and the grace that I need? Because, you see, you need to always be examining yourself. Maybe I've been walking in the flesh. Maybe I have allowed the things of the world to get at me. Maybe it's because of trials and tribulations and temptations. God has a higher way to live. It's not for the natural man. The natural man cannot attain unto this. Only a child of God. So he says, Therefore let us come boldly unto the throne of grace, that we may obtain something. I'm going to need something. I've done something that I shouldn't have done, and I don't want God to whoop the tar out of me because of it. What can I do? Go to the throne of mercy. Go to the throne of mercy. He says, go to the throne of grace that you can obtain mercy. Mercy means I don't get what I deserve. You might deserve the chastening hand of God, but aren't you glad that God hasn't whooped the tar out of you every time you messed up? I always tell people when they're raising kids, always see with one eye, hear with one ear. Otherwise you'll kill, otherwise you'll kill those kids. Grandkids is the reward for not killing your kids. 
You wanted to, but you just didn't do it. That we may obtain mercy and get this, find grace to help. When? In time of need. So there are going to be times in your life that God has designed in the process of time. You're going to need help. You're going to need the Lord. God doesn't want you to live every day without you needing Him. He's going to do whatever it takes to force you to come to see Him. So He's going to allow problems and testings greater than you can bear. And you can't solve everything. You can't solve all your marriage problems. Isn't that wonderful? You're going to have to have the Lord help you. You can't solve all your financial problems. Oh, isn't that wonderful? But me and God can handle it. And you can't raise your kids perfect. You're going to have to turn them over to the Lord. And you've got to see what God will do. And that's sometimes difficult to do when you have to commit, Lord, here's my home. I want you to help me. Finances, Lord, I need your help. Lord, my health, I need your help. I need your strength. Learn to walk in dependence upon the Lord and just let him help you any way he wants to. Any way he wants to. And God will bless you for it. Just a different principle to live by. Either in dependence upon God or dependence upon yourself. And you already know you're a failure. But you already know that God is a success. Let's pray, shall we? Our Father, we are thankful. You have been good to us. We're thankful that we're saved by grace because none of us deserve it. If we could save ourselves by our works, then Christ died in vain. And Father, as your children, there's so much that we need to know and do. But you've given to us the Holy Spirit, every individual, to lead and to guide us, to teach us according to your word. And Father, we know that we've been set free from the law. We don't have to live in the flesh anymore. Father, we can walk in the Spirit. Help us to look to you and to trust you. Help each person here. Everyone struggles. Help us to be patient with each other and kind to one another. Bless each one. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.